0: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Crime Ghoul, a true crime podcast where I'm your host, Brittany. Me and my pup, Kylo, like to bring you guys true crimes that aren't heavily covered in the media. And today we bring you a case that happened in Bishop, California in 2018. And that wasn't too long ago. So since the last time we've hung out, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're staying safe and I'm happy to have you here with me. It's given me so much to look forward to, and it's felt really good to be able to have a platform where I could bring you guys cases that deserve to be heard, and I bring them right to you. It's amazing technology, guys. But enough of my blabbering, let's get to it. Go brew yourself a cup of coffee, pour yourself a glass of wine, or perhaps take a shot of whiskey, because this case is not for the faint of heart. As always, thank you so, 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 so much for listening. (coughs) This is the story of 16-year-old Carly Gousset. She's a dark blonde-haired blue-eyed girl from Bishop, California. She lived with her dad, Zach, stepmom Melissa, and her two younger brothers. Stepbrothers, anyway. Zach and Carly's mom, Lindsay, they split up a few years prior, and her mom decided to move to Nevada, and Carly chose to stay with her dad because, of course, she didn't want to leave California. That was her home, and that's where her friends are. She didn't want to leave her school. So she stayed. And... Carly managed to have a good relationship with her family, no matter what, and her mom was her best friend. Carly felt comfortable to ask her mom anything and pretty much everything. There was even one time she asked her mom about hallucinogens, and instead of Lindsay running from the question and jumping to, Carly, drugs are bad! She educated her daughter to the best of her ability. And, you know, I hope I have that relationship with my kids whenever I become a mom. Because the fact of the matter is, kids are going to be kids. Teens are going to do stupid shit. They will try things. They will do scary things. And all you can do is pray that you've taught them enough. And that you've created a safe and comfortable environment for questions and conversation, no matter how awkward it might be. So Carly stayed in frequent contact with her mom. And on October 12, 2018, it started off like any other ordinary day. And I know, doesn't it always? Well, Carly asked Zach and Melissa if she could attend a football game at her high school that night with her friends and her boyfriend Donald. And of course they told her she could and they told her to be safe and that's all that really matters. And yeah, of course. But little did they know that these teens had ulterior motives as teens always do they were planning to attend a party and it was located in a trailer park so that's already kind of red flag in it for me but who am I to judge I'm not so Carly's friends said that she had been acting really bizarre a few days prior to October 12th and apparently she was telling her friends that she had this strange feeling that she was being followed the unfortunate part of this is that she didn't really elaborate on why she felt this way. And when her friends would ask what she meant by it, they would say that she wouldn't really tell them what she was talking about. She would say, you know, it's really hard to explain, but trust me, trust me. And she seemed really preoccupied with her phone those days leading up to October 12th. And while she was on the phone, she seemed nervous and just very off. She just wasn't herself. She seemed to always be looking over her shoulder and her friends were concerned. But I guess that was only a fleeting moment of concern. At least until October 12th. So to paint you guys a better picture, Bishop, California is a small town. It's cute really. If you look at the pictures, it looks dated and it's surrounded by picturesque mountains. And aside from the mountains, there's lakes and there's rivers, there's vast woodland and kind of what looks like a desert. I guess it is a desert. It kind of seems like they're in the middle of nowhere, but nowhere is mighty pretty. The weather seems pretty nice, keeping in the mid-70s during October. It was probably the perfect night to watch a football game. I can remember back to my football games in high school. <laughs> no offense. But um, there were good times I had at the football games. You know, you're sitting on the bleachers, you got your snacks, and it's a nice crisp fall night, and you're just watching your high school team lose. <laughs> Well, in my case, my team was always losing, but you get what I'm saying. It was a good night. It was good. It was good weather. It was crisp and they were young. But, you know, instead, when we're young high schoolers, we tend to navigate towards the risky drinking social scene, even if it's in a trailer park. So that night, Carly and her friends would not be hanging out on the bleachers. They would not be watching their high school football team. They'd be doing something a little different. And quick disclaimer, I don't want to be knocking trailer parks. I don't want you guys to think I have anything against trailer parks. I really don't. Um, it's just for some reason when I'm hearing this story, I'm thinking of a rusty trailer. And I guess it's because I already know where the story's going. So forgive me for having those spooked out vibes. I have nothing against trailer parks. Power to you. Like, I'm happy. I'm happy as long as I have a roof over my head. And if it's a trailer, then damn, I'm lucky. Luckier than some other people. So this is what we know about that evening. Carly and her friends were hanging out, they were drinking, and they smoked weed. And quickly things got weird because Carly started panicking and her friends were scared and they were freaking out because obviously Carly's freaking out, so I'm freaking out. And she was saying that someone was coming for her. She was really upset and not even her boyfriend Donald could console her. So she left and she wanted to go home, so she walked out and her boyfriend followed her And he was trying to console her and trying to make her realize that she was safe as long as he was with her. But she lashed out on Donald and told her that she was afraid of him and afraid of the people who were coming for her. So perplexed, he attempted to console her and to hug her and say, you know, everything's okay. Everything's okay." He just wanted to calm her down. And instead, Carly actually bit him. So he was wide-eyed and didn't know what to do, and she was wide-eyed and looked like a terrified animal, like like an animal in a corner, backed up in a corner, not knowing what to do. So she just began running away. And it was around 8.30 p.m. when um, Melissa received a call from Carly, and again, that's her stepmom. And Carly uneasily told Melissa, you know, I lied, I wasn't at the football game, I went to a party, but I really want to come home, can you please pick me up, I want to go home, so... Melissa asked where she was and she went on her way to go get Carly and she pulled up at the trailer park and actually Carly was already gone because Carly ran away and she made it there super quick because the town was so small it didn't take her long to get there at all so Carly again called Melissa like you know can you hurry up and she's like well I'm at the trailer park and she goes quick hurry come get me hurry I'm scared hurry I'm booking it down Dixon Lane I'm running please come you know I'm scared and now Melissa's freaking out she's like pedal to the metal and she kind of had a chill to her bone. She was like, "What is this girl that is she's like my daughter and she's terrified. Like, I'm I'm scared. What what is happening?" So she turns onto Dixon Lane. She sees a slim girl running down the road with her phone flashlight on. So you just see the iPhone flashlight from afar and as she got closer, she realized it was Carly. She stopped the car. Carly got inside the car and she looked like she had been running for her life. She was really apprehensive. She was looking around over her shoulder and she sat in the back seat, which was weird like. Melissa was used to her sitting next to her in the passenger seat if she ever picked her up, but Carly refused to get in the front. She was really paranoid, and, um, you know, Melissa, being scared, asked, what the hell's going on? What's going on? And Carly was just apologizing for not going to the game and for lying, and she admitted to Melissa that she smoked some marijuana with her friends. So, of course, Melissa's like, uh, okay, maybe this is making a little more sense So when they get to their home, well, their house, it's about 9 p.m. and Carly's still acting bizarre. And I guess by this point, we can all agree that maybe she was paranoid because she smoked weed. Maybe it was just a weird reaction she had to it. Or maybe if we want to go a little further, it could have been laced with something and had a weird effect on her. So Melissa just thought that's what it was. It had to be the weed. And then it got even stranger because carly was having hallucinations and she was saying weird things and she kept saying i love you guys so much i love you i love you as if it was like the last time she was going to say i love you so now her dad's on the couch and at first he's watching tv he was drinking a few beers it was a friday night he's just relaxing and he was like you know in his head it's probably weed and melissa's got it handled she's trying to calm carly down but then they started realizing that she was really heavily hallucinating like she was far from stoned this wasn't just a stoned person and he noticed that his daughter was quickly shifting between mental states she was being normal one moment and then she was terrified the next like terrified And nobody knew of what they're like, what are you scared of? What exactly are you scared of? And she was just like looking around as if somebody's coming for her. And the next thing, you know, she's saying, I hate you guys. I hate you. I don't love you. I'm really scared. Stay away from me. You're going to kill me. And then it went right back to I love you guys. I'm so happy. I'm home. I'm happy to be home. I love you. So they're just like, what the hell is going on? What is this girl on? Because it can't just be weed. So at this point, Melissa's like, all right. It's time to get this girl to sober up. Maybe, you know, Carly, maybe you should try and eat something. So she gave her a salad and a power bar and Carly started spitting out the salad. She was like, "Ew, no, no, this is the devil, devil's lettuce. Ew, no. Which I think it's kind of ironic considering people used to call weed the devil's lettuce. <laughs> I don't know. I also think it's really bizarre that Melissa was trying to help her sober up by giving her salad in a power bar. Like maybe I'm crazy. I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't trying to get sober from alcohol. So maybe I am just ignorant. But my first guess would have been, you know, here, have some bread, have some water. Not, here's a power bar and some salad. Say super healthy. Like, I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking. Like, if I was soaking up the bad juju, I would have wanted some bread or something. Yeah, I could go for Italian bread right now. But anywho, um... That's what they gave her. And she was spitting it out. She's like, no, I'm not eating this. And are you like she started saying things like you're trying to kill me. You're trying to feed me poison. And they're like, what are you talking about? So then finally, Carly's like, can we go to bed? Can we go to sleep? And, you know, her stepbrothers are up. They kind of see what's going on. But it's time for them to go to bed. Zach goes to bed. And then Melissa's like, "Okay, yeah, let's go to bed. And she's like, but can you sleep with me? Like, I don't want to sleep alone. And she's like, of course, of course, like, I'll sleep with you. You know, we could turn on a movie. We could just relax and, you know, you'll fall asleep. So they kind of stay in the kitchen for a little bit talking. And eventually Melissa gets up to go brush her teeth. And Carly's attached to her at the hip. She doesn't want to leave her side. Um, She follows her into the bathroom to go do that. She just continued acting strange. And by the way, I'm sorry if you hear my very rude co-host barking in the background, but he just wants to say hi, I guess. So as Carly continued on with her weird behavior, Melissa took out her phone, put it in her pocket, and she was actually audio recording Carly. She really didn't want Carly to know she was recording her, so that's why she decided to audio record instead of video record. But the idea was, you know, I'm going to record her nonsense right now and I'm going to show her in the morning and be like, yeah, this is why you don't just go skip out on a football game and go do drugs with your friends because you act like a fool. So that's what she does. She's recording Carly and then she kind of starts to calm down again. And the last time Carly would really text anybody was Donald and that was around 1030. And, you know, Melissa's also texting... Um, Donald and Carly's other friends trying to figure out what happened what exactly did her stepdaughter ingest and no one's really telling her because what teens want to admit to doing something like that you know so as they're like getting ready to go to bed Carly's like asking Melissa you know can I can I um paint your nails like can I paint your toenails and Melissa's just like um I guess so why not so she decides to paint Melissa's toenails and Then she was asking Melissa if she could read the Bible and if she'd read from it with her. And then she was asking to color and she was writing on papers and she was just writing a bunch of stuff. And Melissa was kind of starting to fall in and out of sleep at this point. Like Carly was just kind of manic. Like she was awake, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, just doing her own thing. And Melissa's like, whatever, as long as she's like doing something to keep herself distracted, whatever. So yeah, Melissa recalls waking back up around 530 in the morning and she sees that she has a text from one of Carly's friends and she quickly answers it back, looks to her side, she sees Carly's finally sleeping and she's next to her or she's kind of thinking that Carly's sleeping, maybe she's in and out of sleep, but regardless, all right, things have seemed to calm down. So she rolls back over and she goes to sleep. At around 715 in the morning, Melissa wakes up and Carly is gone. She immediately gets up. She starts looking around the house for Carly and she's like, where the heck is she? And then she sees that the front door is actually slightly ajar. So of course now she's in panic mode. She goes, she wakes up Zach. She's like, Carly's not in the house and I woke up with the front doors open. So yeah, now this is where things are going to get super strange. So pay close attention. So after waking up Zach, I don't know if I were Melissa I think I'd call the cops and I'd say listen my teenage daughter you know a minor she's missing we woke up to our front door open and she admitted to us last night that she smoked some marijuana she was acting really paranoid and weird and now we're kind of worried she's in danger we really thought maybe she just smoked too much weed and you know was hoping she'd sleep it off but now um, yeah she's missing but I guess that's just me. I guess like when you're afraid you're going to get in trouble by the law, maybe you don't, you don't think of these things first. Maybe you're like, ah, before I jump the gun, maybe, um, she's walking around the block or something, but I don't know. So Melissa would end up going onto Facebook live and in that live video, she was stating that she drove her truck all over, um, looking for Carly. She was even driving over boulders and out in the boonies, And listen, I get you want to look for her, but when you have no flippin' idea where she is, why the heck are you gonna go waste your time searching aimlessly all around town, all around this different terrain? They live around these mountains and this desert and this, like I said, like, it's like, uh, woodland. I don't know. This shit is giving me agita. What are you doing? Why aren't you just calling the cops? I don't know. To me, it sounds like you're on a Pointless brigade looking for her when you don't know where you're going to find her. I can understand looking around the block, a few blocks, you know, somewhere super close. But now you're going out in the boonies and you're looking all over God's creation. Doesn't sound very productive to me. So finally, around 930 a.m., Zach and Melissa decide to call Lindsay. Again, that's Carly's mom. Zach calls his ex-wife and when she picks up the phone, he immediately says, Carly's gone. And Lindsay's heart sank into her stomach and she was like, what the hell do you mean? And she automatically thinks that gone means dead. So she goes off the deep end and she starts asking a million questions and he's answering the questions, but he ends up just saying, I don't know, she's just gone. And she's like, what do you mean gone? And I guess the word gone really bothered Lindsay because... Carly's story would actually end up making it to Dr. Phil, and in the show notes, I'll link those videos so you could take a look at the episode, but Lindsay explained to Dr. Phil that the word gone struck her in her soul. Like, she found that the word was just very dark, and why the hell didn't he just say, Carly is missing or we can't find her? And I could see where she's coming from, but I can also see how some people are like, I don't know, the word gone isn't that bad of a word, but you know, if you look at the definition in itself, gone means no longer present. So, I don't know why not just say she's missing. um you know, we're expecting she's got to be somewhere, and we just don't know where that is. So I get what she's saying, and you know, like people there are people who are paid the big bucks to analyze people's use of language and behavior in times like this, so you know, I could totally see how like if you actually think about it, the word "gone" could be a lot bigger than you'd think, so Lindsay ends up driving from Nevada to California, and now we're. Where they live in Bishop, California, is super close to the border of Nevada, so it's really not that far. And in the meantime, Zach's calling the police, finally. And at this point, Carly's been missing for roughly five hours, maybe three hours. We don't exactly know. And Zach explains to the police, you know, she's she was missing from her bed when we woke up, and she must have just walked out of the house, and she left her phone, she left her bag, and it seemed like she was stoned, you know, earlier in the night, and she was acting strange, so now we don't know if she just got scared and she she was under the influence and now she just left the house. We never thought that would have happened. And of course, police jump right to the conclusion that, you know, Carly's clearly a teen runaway and she's intoxicated. It couldn't be anything really more than that. Now, there were three witnesses who supposedly told the cops and the family that they saw Carly outside around like 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Apparently, one of the neighbors has a hot tub like on his deck. So, Early that morning, I guess at 530 in the morning, what better to do than jump in the hot tub? So he's in his hot tub and he notices that Carly is walking outside of her house and walking in the front yard, which to him is like, oh, it's really early on a Saturday morning. That's interesting. So he takes note of it. And then some of the the other two witnesses, I guess they see her closer to the highway and they see her wandering or who they believe to be Carly. So who knows if it really was Carly? And when asked what Carly was wearing, you know, because the police were asking her family, um, you know, when she left the house, what, what was she wearing? And Melissa told the cops, oh, she was wearing skinny jeans and a sweater. But Carly went to bed in PJs. So it's really odd that she would say that. And I thought she didn't see her when she left the house. So how the heck do you know? So she would say, you know, Carly always wore skinny jeans. So she just assumed that's what Carly left in. I don't know. That's a pretty bold assumption if you're asking me. So the police formed search parties with volunteers from around the community and there were search dogs and everything, but there was no trace of Carly. She was just kind of missing. Now it's scary because what... Now it's scary to me, especially because what teen leaves the house without their phone? It's also scary that no one... Heard her leave the house, but I mean I could see that happening. I would sleep through an explosion um i I'm like the dead when I'm sleeping, so as search parties went out, Lindsay stayed at Zach and Melissa's home. She was actually in a state of shock, and she was pretty much immobile. She couldn't bring herself to join the search party and you know, I don't blame her. a lot of people actually criticized her for that, but if my child went missing, I think it would take everything in me to try to scrape myself together and keep my brain straight and thinking like clearly, which I mean, in a situation like this, you really have to do that. But not everybody is the same. And that's a lot easier said than done. Plus, if I was the mom, like being home, it well in Carly's home, I would want to be there. What if Carly comes through the door in the next few minutes? I want to be there. I want to see her. I want her to know her mom's here for her. And I'm waiting for her, you know, so it completely makes sense to me. And as the search parties are continuing, the cops continue to believe that Carly was probably, you know, she's just wandering around, probably in a daze somewhere, probably confused. She's just lost. And as the search parties were happening, as Lindsay was waiting at home, Melissa kept going on to her live stream. She's running around the neighborhood looking for Carly, jumping onto Facebook, doing these lives. And it was starting to come off as weird because it was really often, like every twenty minutes she's on Facebook doing a live instead of actually getting engrossed in the search party. But at the same time it was proving helpful because Carly's story started to blow up on social media. Um, if it weren't for those Facebook lives, I don't know if Carly's story would have been as publicized as it was. And I'm sure a lot of you still don't even know the case, but it did like I mean, it made it to my ears and I'm I'm always soaking out the true crime and what crime's going on around the country. So In a sense, it is a good thing, but in the same way, in the same aspect, it's kind of like, shouldn't you be kind of focusing more on this? But who knows? So hours went by. Carly is still missing. Melissa started experiencing a lot of backlash to her Facebook Live and her Facebook stories and Instagram stories because... Her stories were changing and there were inconsistencies with her stories. So just 10 hours after Carly's missing, people continued searching in the desert and Melissa took to social media to say, no, I don't think she's in the desert. I think you're wasting your time. I think there's a good possibility that she was taken. She was kidnapped when she got near the highway. And now I think that's bizarre. I think it's bizarre that she redirected everyone's thinking. I think it's bizarre that she was pointing away from the desert because who's to say? Really, who's to say? And why are you so keen on this all of a sudden being an abduction? But then I think back to what I told you guys in the beginning. Carly's friend said that days prior to her missing, she was paranoid that she was being followed. But Melissa, she wasn't yet aware of this. So I don't know. To me, I feel that Melissa was deflecting attention elsewhere, which I find extremely sketchy. Why didn't you want these people looking in the desert, Melissa? I don't know, Melissa. So Lindsay soon heard that audio recording that Melissa had taken of her daughter from when she was acting, up, acting out and acting weird. And to say the least, Lindsay was shocked by what she heard. Carly had been asking Melissa to call the police multiple times, and she kept telling Melissa that she was scared. She was then talking about these dark thoughts she was having and how she all of a sudden wanted to go to church and saying that she was seeing the devil and demonic things. And then Carly started calling out for her mom. She was like, mom, mom, is that you? And Melissa was like, no, silly, it's me. It's Melissa. It's not your mom. And Carly was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just really scared. Can you please call 911? And Melissa says, "Okay." And after a pause, Carly's like, so are you going to call them? And she's like, no, Carly, there's nothing to be afraid of. So Lindsay is completely distraught when she hears this. She is now drowning in her own guilt for not being there for her daughter. And it's not her fault. Who would have thought, you know, she should be with her dad and her stepmom. She should be safe. But then after hearing that, she completely doubts every, every bit of anything that was like, oh, yeah, Zach and Melissa were protecting her is now gone. Because now she's like, why didn't you call the police? My daughter was asking you to call 911. Get someone. Clearly she wasn't in her right state of mind and she was scared. I don't care if it's weed or whatever drug. Help her. So now certain things in Melissa's story are not adding up. She actually tells Dr. Phil one thing. She tells Dateline another thing. And she tells Dateline that she woke up around 6 a.m. when she originally said, I woke up at 7 15 a.m. and Carly wasn't next to me anymore. But now she's telling Dateline she woke up around six in the morning to check on all of the kids. And Carly was sleeping in her bed. She checked on the two boys and they were in their bed and all was good. And she went back to bed. And she said that she frequently did that, you know, every night. She wanted to make sure her kids were where they were supposed to be. So about an hour and 15 minutes later, that means Carly is missing at that time. So she t- checked on the kids at six. She wakes up at 7.15 again, and that's when she realizes that Carly's nowhere in the house and that the front door is ajar. So which is it, Melissa? Which is it? And when you watch the Dr. Phil episodes, Dr. Phil asks Zach and Melissa why he hasn't heard the recorded audio that they took of, you know, Carly. And Zach's like, well, it's an ongoing investigation. And Dr. Phil's like, well, that video could be key to finding your daughter, and Melissa's like, nope, don't think so. And obviously, Lindsay was telling Dr. Phil, like, um, yeah, I think that this is really important. I think we should talk about the fact that my daughter was scared out of her mind. And my ex-husband and his now wife did not call 911. They failed to call 911 while my daughter was scared. Then, you know, Dr. Phil's like, well, I really need to hear this tape and... All of a sudden, Zach and Melissa are like, "Fine, you want to hear the tape? Why didn't you just ask?" And Doctor Phil's like, "Ask. I, my team asked you so many times, and you kept saying no. You wouldn't want, you wouldn't let me hear it or anything." And they're like, "Okay, well, you can hear it, but we don't want everyone to hear it. We don't want to hear, we don't want anyone to hear Carly like that." And I get it. I wouldn't, if it were me, I really wouldn't want all y'all people hearing me be out of my mind talking about the devil and going to church and reading the Bible and being scared. You know, I wouldn't want you to hear that. So needless to say, Dr. Phil says he could definitely see how Carly could have walked off in a state of paranoia. He knew it completely sounded like she was on drugs, which thanks Dr. Phil. I mean, I didn't even hear it. And just from the story, she clearly was on something. But other than that, Dr. Phil's episode really focused on the drama going on between the family. So between Zach and Melissa versus Lindsay, really. Because obviously, Lindsay's like, you guys are sketchy as shit, and I don't trust you for a second, and there's inconsistencies in this woman's stories, and I'm not liking it. So, this episode really focused on the drama rather than talking about all these things that are so important to Carly's story. They weren't asking questions like, hey, who are those witnesses? Who are the guys that you're talking about? Who saw Carly? And, like, asking questions like, why haven't they done an interview of these witnesses? And apparently, I mean, it's not said on the Dr. Phil show, but, like, I had to dig. And apparently those people wanted to remain anonymous, which is weird. But I guess then there's people like me who are, like, armchair detectives. And you might be one, too, where we kind of want to know things. But I would never outright ask a family member, like, hey, who are those people that told you this? Like, you know, I would just wait for it to come out on the media. But whatever. And as I researched this case more, I actually found that the day Carly went missing, Melissa got her car detailed. So what the hell is that about? And oh, why? Is it because you were driving in the desert that you said is pointless to search? And maybe you were driving over those boulders and got dirt all over your car? Or are you hiding something so you don't want police to find where you actually buried Carly's body? Hmm. I don't know. Just the thought. You know? So there are many theories as to what happened to Carly Gousset, and I'm sure you can guess what I think, and well guys, it's not that easy. I have to say I'm a bit torn up about this, like really messed up. So here's the thing. These are the theories. So either Carly overdosed and she died in her sleep and Zach and Melissa, they didn't want to face manslaughter charges for not getting Carly help, or Carly walked off intoxicated and she was kidnapped by someone who saw that she was easy prey, like she was clearly not in her right mind, a pretty five seven, hundred and pounds girl, very pretty girl, like, okay, um, she doesn't really seem to know where she is, let me just uh, take this and be done with it. Or, the most unlikely, she ran away. Well, if you guys want to know what I think, I think that this is pretty a good possibility. So Carly's scared, she's paranoid from the drugs, and Zach and Melissa give her something to calm her. And I'd have to see their medicine cabinet, but let's say that they give her something and that this drug mixes with what she's already, you know, tripping off of, whatever's in her system. And now it has adverse effects and she dies in her sleep, whether she like, I don't know, whether it kills her from like a heart attack or she's throwing up in her sleep and she's choking on it. I don't know. But regardless, that would be manslaughter, negligence, endangerment of a minor, and I'm sure the list goes on for possible charges. So with the fear of facing justice, plague Zach and Melissa to bury Carly somewhere in the desert. Never speak of it again. It was an accident and boom, she's just another person, a missing person in in America, you know? But then part of me is like, ugh, it's so much more than that. You know, like how could someone's father just bury them? Like, oh, it's fine. Like, well, it's not fine, but I don't want to go to jail for the rest of my life or for a majority of my life. So let's just do this. It makes sense. Like, if it were Carly, she'd understand. Like, I don't know. I don't think I could ever picture that. But then again, Zach is a little weird in these videos, like in these interviews. And I mean, uh, you can't, you don't know a person after just watching a couple of interviews, but interviews tell a whole lot. Like, you could see a lot from someone's body language and the way they answer questions. And same with Melissa. They're sketchy. Regardless, there is something in a lot of people, including myself, in their guts, and they're just like, "Mm mm-mm, there's something not right about you. So who knows? But honestly, that's probably my, my number one theory. And then I've got another one. And I really don't see this one specifically anywhere, so maybe I'm just missing something. But here it is. I get super creeped out because remember when her friend said she was paranoid for days? What the heck explains that? Had she been buying this crazy weed from someone for a few days and this was inducing this mass paranoia within her? Or was she talking to someone who she shouldn't have been talking to and she was starting to get scared that someone indeed was following her? Was she being preyed upon? Up until the point that she actually went to that party, smoked the marijuana, which induced what seems to be a bad acid trip. So she freaked out, you know, freaked out of her mind, left. She left the party that night. You know, maybe somebody actually was coming, like, threatening to show up or something and take her away. And that's why she was getting scared. And then that kind of just went to her getting home. Was she texting whoever this person was at home and they were still threatening her? Or maybe, like, saying, we're coming for you or I'm coming for you. And that you know led to her leaving her home in the in the wee hours of the morning and then maybe the the person or people who had been following her for a few days actually ended up picking her up and kidnapping her I mean it's far-fetched but is it plausible I mean it could be human trafficking is a huge thing and so many teenagers are targeted via social media so I don't know like how far-fetched is it was she talking to someone why would she tell her friends that she was Very, like, scared that someone was following her or she felt like she was being followed. Why was she acting so weird while she was on her phone? Why was she so terrified? I mean, yes, it could have, it could have been the drugs, but in the same sense, like, yes, the marijuana would explain October 12th into 13th, but what about the few days prior to that? So I have a lot of freaking questions about this. First of all, what does her boyfriend Donald have to say? I want to hear from him. What does he know? Was he questioned? What do her friends know? Were they questioned? What do they know? Were they interviewed? Were their parents all interviewed and questioned? What exactly did these eyewitnesses see and say? Did anyone find out what drug the girl was actually on? Did we search her phone? Did we look through text messages? Did we see who she was talking to? Did we check her Instagram, her Facebook, her Snapchat? Whatever. Her Twitter and Did anyone find out what she was so scared of on her phone? Did anybody even look? Well, that's the problem, people. We don't have enough information. So it's either this information is not known and nobody did their job, or it's just not released to the public because now, as of right now, it is in the hands of the FBI. So I don't know, guys. This story does not sit right with me. Don't know how you guys feel, but what in the hell happened to Carly Gusey? What happened? Now, I've never done a missing persons case on my podcast. I mean, I have gone over um, the case of Amy Mihalovic, which is one of my first episodes, if you go all the way back and excuse the audio, but her story is just unsolved. It's not a missing person. So this one is just the first missing persons case I've ever done on my podcast. And quite frankly, it's because I get big mad, huge. I get so infuriated because come on, like, what the hell? Now I want to know what do you guys think happened to Carly? Check me out on Facebook, Crime Ghoul, just put it in the search. It's just Crime Ghoul. Or check out my Instagram. It's Crime Ghoul underscore. Let me know what you think happened to Carly. I'm on Twitter too. Again, just type in Crime Ghoul. You'll see, you'll see my podcast picture. And just. Drop me a DM or leave me a comment and let me know because I am so curious. I love reading all the theories. I'm actually on a Facebook page that is dedicated to bringing Carly home and it's interesting to see like these mini updates but still two almost three years later like we're going to be coming up on three years. We still don't know where this girl is and I'm sorry I'm leaving you guys with something that's so unknown because I know if you're like me it's going to bother you but you never know. That's why it's so important to keep um, missing person cases alive, or cases in general, but missing person cases, because the truth is out there. The answer is somewhere. Perhaps it's lying in the desert as we speak. Well, guys, for now, that's the end of today's episode. It's shorter than the last few episodes, but I thought Carly's case was really important to talk about because it's bothered me for so long. I'm like, why don't I just put this on my podcast? It's good to get it out there. And maybe you've heard of Carly and now you just kind of want to see my take on it. Let me know what you thought and make sure you check out my social media accounts to see photos of Carly and her family and to get more important information about her case. But also, while I have you here, have you guys checked out my YouTube channel? It's called Brittany Alexandra. That's right. I talk to my camera now. So if you're interested in some extra content content from me, head over there. And the spelling is Brittany. It's B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y. I know it's Brittany, not Brittany. It's not the tr- traditional A-N-Y. And then it's Space Alexandra. A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-A. Brittany Alexandra. That's my YouTube channel. Go check me out. My newest video is about Netflix's five-part series The Night Stalker. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It is so good. It is so well done. It really pays homage to the victims and the survivors and it centers around the terrifying Richard Ramirez and the crimes he committed in Los Angeles in like the 80s and Basically, in my video, I tell you some key, uh, key details that were left out of the documentary, primarily about his childhood and the brutal childhood he went through and like what kind of caused him to do what he did. Obviously, there's never an excuse for it, but it's just cool. It's not cool. It's um very informative to hear somebody's background story to try to see and connect how it all manifested until what it was. And then I talk about his crazy groupies who were obsessed with him and thought he was, like, God's gift to the human race. Well, Satan's gift to the human race. Excuse me. And, like, just how dreamy and charming he was. You know, some weird groupies. So I go into depth about that. And, yeah, check it out. And let me know what you think. Of course, as always, I love to know what you guys think. Let me know how I'm doing. As always, thank you guys for listening. It means so much to me that there are actually people who are listening to me and my morbid content and my morbid blabbering. But until next time, my friends, I will talk to you later. I'll catch you online. Bye.